Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. A warm up from Vivo! Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Casco Suits with myself, Greg Hughes Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got an excellent podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, Eli Hershkovich. He does great work over at the Lions. I don't do a lot of futures, but I know that Eli does. So we're going to be taking a look at some of what he's got in his portfolio, some of the attributes that he looks for as well with teams that he's looking to back and fade here in March, some of the teams that are starting to come onto his radar as well in terms of teams that might be worth a look out there in the futures market. So we're going to be chatting about that with Eli in segment number two in the final segment. Going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we have fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that is via an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not get in any Twitter slash X questions today, but did have a great day of college basketball on Sunday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. This is something we we have not seen a lot of this year. The top cover rate team in all of college basketball in Minnesota did not cover on Sunday. They take it on the chin against Nebraska. 73-55 to the final. Just absolutely nothing doing in this game for Minnesota from the outside. They shoot 6-23 of from 3 and honestly it wasn't too much better from the interior as well. They went 12-35 of on their twos as well. Nebraska just completely locked them down and for Nebraska they were able to get a very good performance. 22 points, 8 rebounds out of Mr. Jawan Gary. Gary was able to do a nice job of being able to also give the team a pair of assists. As for Nebraska, they were able to win the turnover battle 13-11. to They win the rebound battle 44-38. to Just complete domination. And Minnesota, I mean, so if you bet Minnesota on the spread in every single one of their games thus far this season, 
you're still up well north of $1,500 if you're a $100 unit better. So, I mean, they have been able to do a tremendous job with that regard. Just could not get it done on Sunday. This team has been getting it done for much of the season, but with Noah Reynolds currently being out of the fold, that is a little bit tough for UW-Green Bay. They're still 18-9 and against the spread, but they take it on the chin against Youngstown State. Youngstown State is able to get the win by kind of 71-59. to You can tell that the offensive pop for Green Bay just was not there with Reynolds being out of the fold. They shoot just 6-22 from three-point range. Green Bay loses turnover battle 12 to 11. They lose a rebound battle 34 to 25. And credit where credit is due. This Youngstown State team, pretty solid down low. DJ turned it up, burns 12 points, 14 rebounds. Brandon Rush off the bench was able to give the team 13. And for Youngstown State, they played a slow, grimy style in this one, but they shoot 8 of 22 from three point range. They're able to get that one into the window. You saw a Michigan team has been awful. I mean, awful all year long at being able to cover the spread. Be able to cover a spread against Purdue. They still lose the game as Purdue is able to get this one done, 84 to 76. But hey, you're gonna take what you can get if you're Michigan. As this team against the spread, they are currently finding themselves eight and 20. But for Purdue, they allowed Michigan to hold in there because Michigan was able to go nine of 21 from three, while Purdue was just seven of 24 from distance. Now. For Michigan, big performance here out of Doug McDaniel. Took him 20 shots to get there, but he was able to supply the team with 19 points, 6 assists. Michigan also only turned the ball over 10 times in this contest, but giant of the year, Zach Eady, he stepped up in a big way. 35 points, 15 rebounds, and though Braden Smith was off with his shot, just 3 of 14 from the floor, saw at 11 points, 11 assists, 4 steals, 8 rebounds. So, Purdue, they're able to get by. They don't quite get a cover, and it has been rough for this team all season long against the spread. Memphis, they're 10 and 18 against the spread, but hey, they were able to get a nice home win against Florida Atlantic this by kind of 78 to 74. And for Memphis, back to back covers for them at home. Prior to this run, they had covered one game at home all season long. And for Memphis, they go just 5 of 27 from three. Both of these teams were rough from the outside as for Florida Atlantic, 7 of 28 from three par range. And I mean, they're starting five from three par range. They went just four of 19 from distance. John L. Davis has been a walking bucket all season long and did have 20 points, but goes just 6 of 15 from the floor for Florida Atlantic. They had a tough time on glass as well, allowing 15 offensive rebounds for Memphis as Davi Jones. He was able to take over the game. He and Nequan Tomlin really were able to. A combined six steals, 19 rebounds, 46 points. So a Memphis team has been struggling all season long. They were able to get that one in. And sadly for Memphis, they don't have the worst cover rate out there in the American. That belongs to Wichita State, who is now against the spread 9-17-1. They lose in overtime at home against Temple. Give our Odelaine Kiffin go owls as for Wichita State. It's been a tough year for them all season long, and they get bludgeoned on the glass. Losing that battle 52-44 to against the Temple team has been well outside the top 200 in terms of their rebound rate. And for Temple, you're able to get 15 points out of Jordan Riley to go along with his 11 rebounds. For Wichita State, they lose the turnover battle as well by kind of 10 to 8. You were able to get off the bench Kenny Poto along Xavier Bell to combine for 28 points, but not enough for Wichita State. Another tough loss for them. This has been a team that's been very good against the spread from the American, though. South Florida now 17-6-3 against the spread. They're on a 13-game straight-up win streak. They take down SMU 79-68, and all of a sudden, the defense for SMU has been looking a little bit leaky recently. This has been a top 25 team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but for SMU, they gave up at least 68 points in every single game in the month of February for South Florida. They go 8 of 21 from 3 and 27 of 30 at the free throw line. You had Keyshawn Pryor off the bench, give you 19 points, 9 boards. 
for SMU. They go 15 of 31 at the free throw line, by the way. So if you're wondering why they did not cover this game, look no further than right there as Ricardo right off the bench went 4 of 9 from 3 and all of 4 at the free throw line. I just don't know how that works, but somehow, some way that happened. And then you also had a relatively rough performance out of your main two guards in Chuck Harris along Zarek Phelps. They went and combined 5 of 27 from the floor. So that was very much less than ideal out there, but what has been very ideal all season long has been taking a look at unders in Rutgers games, and Rutgers did their part for the under. 63-46, to 46, Maryland goes on the road, and they're able to get the job done as for Rutgers thus far this season in terms of their under eight, it's at 66.7%, 1,800 to nine overs, and for Maryland, they go just 6 of 19 from 3 par range, but it was more than enough in this game as Rutgers went 2 of 11 from distance. And for Rutgers, they win the turnover battle 14 to 13, but they get plowed on the glass. Maryland wins the rebound battle 42 to 29 with Jordan Geronimo providing 11 points of 11 rebounds. So, not a good day at the rack for Rutgers and a team that has been very demonstrative in terms of the over. That would be Wright State. And Wright State they have been the right side for much of the season. And they put up another over and they get another win. 96-75 the final. They have now played 21 overs to just 6 unders thus far this season for Wright State. They go 9 of 19 from 3 range, while Oakland goes 9 to 29 from 3. And Oakland turns points a lot on a per possession basis at home. Bottom 10 team in all of college basketball, Trey Townsend, 14 points, 14 rebounds. But how about for this Wright State team? A combined 60 points out of Alex Huberste, along with Brandon Noel, A.J. Braun. I mean, those are your, like, three through five scorers. Tanner Holden, along with Trey Kelvin, are actually your top two guys. They were able to do a nice job distributing 12 assists, but, I mean, it was a very dominant performance from Wright State. Another team that's been very good to the over, Fairfield. 19 overs to 8 unders, and they took it to a Siena team that they have covered fewer than 40% of their games thus far this season as well. And this was overwhelming with the second half having north of 90 points in it. Final in this one, 88-64 to 64 for Siena. They really don't do their part with this total. They go just 6 of 26 from 3 points. But Fairfield, they catch fire once again. They go 14 of 29 from the outside. Caleb Fields, 14 points. Jalen Leach was your top guy with 21 points. And Bryson Goodine off the bench, 3 of 5 for distance. And for Siena, the sad year just continues. You just don't know who's going to be out there on the floor night and night out for the team as Michael Ely, Alonso, Shandu, Gordon, they are out of the fold once again. So another rough one there. By the way, Purdue, with their effort on Sunday, they're now at 19 overs to 9 unders this season as well. And another team has been able to hit quite a few overs for you all season long as well. It's another team I mentioned before with Nebraska being at 17 overs, 10 unders, and a push. Oakland, they're now at 18 overs and 12 unders. And then if you're looking at a team that's been very underwhelming this year, that would be Maris, although they did play an under on Sunday. A lot of this was because the total was right around about 121 or so, but Maris has now played 17 unders to 8 overs, but this is overwhelming against St. Peter's. The Peacocks get the job done. This by count is 69 to 60 for Maris. They go just 33% from the floor. They actually shot it worse from 2-point range and 3-point range, but they did go 24 of 30 at the free throw line. Maris loses the eternal battle 13 to 11 and for St. Peter's 19 big points 
out of Corey Washington. That was able to get this team to the window, and then you had another very demonstrative under team have an under, as we saw a lot of Patriot League action on Sunday, and for Army, they have played 10 overs of just 17 unders thus far this season, and they could not get to 50 on this day, as Bucknell absolutely lambasted them. This by a count of 54 to 41, as for Army, they go from 3-point range, 4 of 20, and 16 of 56 overall from floor Bucknell. They went just 8 of 28 from 3-point range themselves, but they were able to do way more than enough to be able to get this one done. Both teams have 15 turnovers. Bucknell wins that rebound battle by a count of 42 to 35, so they were able to get that one done. And Colgate has become one of your most efficient defenses in all of college basketball, but they lose at home to American as a double-figure favorite. 66 to 64 the final as for Colgate, the defense was good enough to be able to get it done. The offense, they went 24-47 from the floor, but 14 turnovers in this one. American, they won the rebound battle 30-29. They win the turnover battle 14-12 as well. And for Mark Rogers, 23 big points in this one as well. So we saw some very interesting action on Sunday, including our DK Network right a pick being able to hit. Southern Illinois, by the way, has been an absolute juggernaut against the spread, though we didn't necessarily take them on the spread. I ended up betting the minus two anyway, but for Southern Illinois, they're now 18-9-1 against the spread, and we got the under with them as well. 65-53, to the final. Southern Illinois goes just 8 of 28 from 3 range, but they allow Evansville to go just 2 of 10 from distance. Both of these teams were just stuck in the mud on offense. They were playing super-duper slow. Ben Humericus was able to chip in there 11 points for Evansville, but even though Xavier Johnson only had 12 points in this one, he had 10 boards, he chipped in there 8 assists. Southern Illinois just continuing to make you money thus far this season, and I'll give a little bit of a shout-out to Nebraska as well. The team that was able to take down Minnesota against the spread, they're now 18-10 and 10 against the spread as well, and another team has been pretty solid against the spread has been the Bobcats of Quinnipiac, but rough week for them. They lose to Fairfield on Friday, and then on Sunday, they fall to Ryder by a count of 88-78 to 78 for Ryder. This team has been a little bit up-down all around this far this season, but they were able to do a nice job having Mervyn James go off for 30 points in this one. Ryder just 5 of 15 from 3-par range, but they were able to do a nice job going 23 of 26 at the free throw line. Quinnipiac, they were able to go 22 of 27 at the charity stripe. Ryder, they also win the turnover battle by a count of 13 to 12. And going back to that St. Peter's versus Maris game, St. Peter's now 16 and 9 against the spread as well. So they have been quite a moneymaker for you too. And if you're looking at the landscape of college basketball, this team has not been a moneymaker for you as Gold EWPUI, IUPUI, they're now 7 and 19 against the spread. They uh, do not get the job done against Northern Kentucky by a count of 80 to 64, but they do cover 17 and a half. So they were able to do the job with regards to against the spread straight up. Not so much. As for Northern Kentucky, they do go 9 of 20 from three par range. You were able to get a nice double double 10 points, 14 rebounds out of Trey Robinson. And for IUPUI, thanks to the efforts of Jalen Counter along with Vincent Brady, giving the team 31 points. They were able to get the cover, but if you're looking at the overall landscape of college basketball right now, it has been one in which has been a little bit kinder to home underdogs recently. Over the last seven days, home underdogs 55-49-1 and one against the spread. That is contrary to what we've seen all season long, and unders have had a nice run as well. 170 unders to 158 overs. It was a pretty underwhelming day on Sunday, and if you're looking overall for the season, we've seen a lot of overs, and we've seen a lot of 
Home underdogs not come through. Home underdogs hitting at just 49.1%, 645, 669, and 21. Meanwhile, the overs have still a 96-game lead on unders. 2,401 overs to 2,305 unders. That's a 51% hit rate to the overs. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now. And that's what we all got on Sunday. Now let's turn it forward to what we're getting on the national landscape and in the futures market with Eli Hershkovich, who does great work over at the Lions. And he joins me next right here on Cuts Cause Eats with myself, Dougie Peterson. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This show slash podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. And over at BetterHelp, they're helping you try to be able to ease up on your life a little bit more because I'm sure that you, much like myself, wish you had a little bit more time on your hands, whether that be to pursue a hobby. I myself could use a little bit of sleep as I've been handicapping about like 300 games a week and you're not able to get a lot of sleep when you're working that much. So hopefully you appreciate it on this podcast. But that said, therapy can be exactly what you need to be able to get a little bit more time on your hands to pursue exactly what you love. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Learn what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Coast today. That's C-O-A-S-T to be able to get 10% off through your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Coast. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> With myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now a part of the Visa family of podcasts. It is always great to be joined by this man as Eli Hershkovich does such good work taking a look at this great game of college basketball over at the lines. I know that he's done a great job handicapping so many different things. Soon before we know it, baseball is going to be here, but as we both know, it is college basketball season. Eli such an ace on this front, and you're able to follow him on Twitter slash X at his first slash last name, Eli Hershkovich. That last name is both H-E-R-S-H-K-O-V-I-C-H all together. And Eli, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, Greg, as always. Always appreciate you, my friend. And Eli, it has been a wild and crazy year in college basketball, to say the least. And just what have you been making out of the last few weeks in college basketball? Because we always know that home court is very meaningful. We always know that you want to be backing these teams, that they do the little things right, like being able to hit their free throws, what have you. But I feel like this has become all the more important this year. And I feel like just these teams in general that are going on the road, they're just up against it more than they really ever have been. 
Yeah, Duke was an example of that on Saturday. I know some people thought the line might have been a bit inflated, and I get it if you want to stay away from a spread that moves from a pick to, what, Wake Forest closed minus two and a half, minus three. But Demon Deke shot the way they have pretty much all season long at home. Speaking of home court advantage, they were dominant from the three-point line against Duke. Hunter Salas got pretty much whatever he wanted until Duke took Tyrese Proctor off of him later on in the game. Kyle Filipowski was probably a little pissed off about the court storming. But to your point, we're seeing home teams getting shaded, and Wake Forest was definitely no exception to that. You can make the case that maybe you want to bet the other side. I know some bettors are anti-steam chasers, like with New Mexico and Colorado State Lobos, who lost to Air Force in inexplicable fashion on Saturday. Before that, they beat Colorado State as a seven and a half point home favorite, but they lost against the number and the Rams covered. I don't advocate towards betting the other side when you think one team, whether it's the home or away team, has an edge. When I see a matchup advantage and my numbers say that X team has the edge, even if it gets deemed up to a certain point, I think you stay away from that other side, not just play the number because it got to a a certain extent, but teach their own on that front. Either way, that just goes to show you that home court advantage, especially in a conference like the Mountain West, is very, very valuable. Oh, it certainly is. Unless if you're in New Mexico losing at home to Air Force, which that was just absolutely wild. And I have a feeling that that's a one off. And how do you take some of those results? Because we did see a lot of crazy ones on Saturday. Saturday, in my opinion, was one of the more crazy days of college basketball that we've seen all season long. And there's a lot of people that when they lose a bet, when they see a team that they like go down, they want to overreact. Heck, if you want to go back a little bit further, a few days ago, that UConn versus Creighton game, how do you handle those sorts of things? Because I've been going a little bit more in the mindset that you have one or two outliers that happen every single year, and you always hear in school about mean, median, and mode, where you just take off the best result, you take off the worst result, and you take everything in between. And I've been taking a little bit more of that approach this season because I feel like darn near all these teams in college basketball, they just have one or two performances this season where they just were completely unconscious. They weren't what they have been all season long to the positive. And then also they're as cold as an igloo and they weren't what they have been all season long to the negative as well. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of different ways to look at it. Like you're saying, Creighton shot the lights out just like Wake Forest did against Duke. But to that point, both Duke and UConn's perimeter defense were due for negative regression. I mean, Duke against some pretty pitiful ACC teams during their five-game winning streak before getting or not getting upset because Wake Forest was favored at home, but before losing to the Demon Beaks, they were allowing what, like a 21% corner three-point percentage and around 24% on above the break threes to their opponents. And Wake got right, and they exploited Duke's pretty leaky perimeter defense, even though the numbers will tell you otherwise. And UConn's dominant stretch over their last five games before losing to Creighton, getting upset because the Jays were home dogs in that sense. They got a lot of negative aggression too with their perimeter defense, negative variance, whatever you want to call it. So I think there are a lot of different ways to look at it. Yes, teams have blimps, but also teams are kind of due for poor performances based on getting lucky when teams miss on open threes, which is what UConn's, to an, to an extent, their opponents were doing, and Duke in a very similar sense, especially with the poor competition they faced outside of Wake Forest on their five-game win streak.
Absolutely, and that UConn versus Creighton game was one where I was on Creighton because I was looking at that, and on top of that, UConn has had their troubles against ranked teams on the road as well, which I always think is important to be mindful of, as Eli Hershkovich, who does such good work over at the Lions, is joining me right here on Coast Coast Hoops. And Eli, we're doing this as we're looking back at what was a very wild weekend in college basketball, just a wild week in general, because that UConn versus Creighton game that I was alluding to that did happen before the weekend. But are there a few teams in general that over the last few weeks, either you've soured on a little bit, you're not liking what you're seeing from them, or perhaps you're a little bit more stock up on them and you feel like they're being a little bit underrated in the market. Sure. So let's start on a positive note. I bet a Creighton future Final Four at 28-1 to 1 a couple of weeks ago at this point, and you could still get it at 27-1 to 1 over at FanDuel Sportsbook Price Shop over at thelines.com. My write-up is there as well. You could hear it on the Outside Shots podcast, which is on the Lines podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find a favorite podcast. And Tigers are playing really good ball over the last few weeks, man. Top 10 in adjusted efficiency on both ends of the floor over the last couple of weeks. And Wake Forest is actually just ahead of them. The Demon Deeks are playing really good defensively, 14th in adjusted defensive efficiency during that stretch. But the reason I like Clemson for a deep tournament run, A, they don't turn the ball over. B, you talk about home court advantage. They've actually played really well on the road. They beat UNC to start this what, four wins in five games, something like that, which Clemson never wins at the Bean Dome. So that was really impressive. And they've also had a really good win. I know Kentucky blew out Alabama over the weekend, but Clemson beat the Tide on the road in non-conference play. And similar, I'm not saying Clemson and last year's UConn team are similar in the sense that Clemson is going to win a national championship or can contend for one, but in the right bracket, in the right part of the bracket, Clemson can create a lot of matchup problems, and we've seen them play well on the road and on neutral courts and not conference play. So in that sense, to me, they remind me of last year's UConn team, which I wrote about in my write-up. But the reason why they create some mismatches is because they could play you five out with P.J. Hall, Shefflin, and Jack Clark. I I mentioned this stretch with the Tigers playing so well. Jack Clark, the NC State transfer, gets no love because no one knows anything about him. But since he's gotten healthy and got put back in Clemson's starting lineup, you now have one of the more versatile lineups, not only offensively in the country, but also on the defensive end, three through five, six, eight, and higher. And Clark is their best defender and gives them a bit of an edge, especially with the way Shefflin and Hall play defense on top of that. I know P.J. Hall is known more so for an offensive threat, and he's a three-level scorer, one of the more underrated bigs in college basketball. But Jack Clark means a lot to this Clemson team. You also have Joe Girard, a veteran point guard, who could shoot the lights out from three, Chase Hunter as well. So they could shoot all over the floor. And then, like I said, defensively, they're trending up during this recent four, five, six-game stretch since the beginning of February, starting with that UNC win. Yeah, with this Clemson team, I do like the way that they've been performing on offense. And to your point, it does feel like the defense, it is starting to bear down a little bit more. They are a team that is going to allow some open threes, but as long as they're able to guard down low, as long as they're able to get those rebounds and prevent teams from getting second chances, which they've been doing a solid job of recently, I do think that there is quite a bit of upside there, as we do have Eli Hershkovich, who does great work over at the Lions, joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soups. And Eli, I know that you were talking about this 
with regards to your futures portfolio, the fact that you have taken one out on Creighton. How does it look right now? Because I know that you took a few before the season. You've been adding a few during the season. Are there a few that really stand out to you in terms of ones that you're feeling a little bit better on right now? And just how's the outlook in general for it? For sure. Absolutely. Listen, people are lying to you and everybody else <laughs> if they say they have futures that didn't work out. That's that didn't work out. I had a Maryland future going back to the offseason. You, when you throw long shot darts, not everyone is going to hit. I was pretty high on the freshman Deshaun Harris-Smith and Jamie Kaiser. I also maybe a little more bullish on Dante Scott than I should have been, and Julian Reese for that matter. Jameer Young has been what I expected. He's even taken a leap from last season, but Reese still getting the foul trouble. The depth behind him is pretty weak. And then Jamie Kaiser and Deshaun Harris-Smith, up until maybe the last few games, have been so inconsistent offensively. So that one I threw in the gutter pretty early on. And then I also made a mid-season Final Four futures bet on St. John's. Maybe, maybe they stink into the dance, but that bet reminded me of one I made last year on Florida. I know the Gators have turned it around this season under Todd Golden, but St. John's similar to last year's Florida team just because transfer-laden team, the uber-talented. I will go to war with anybody that says St. John's roster isn't loaded with talent, but just the pieces haven't come together from a cohesion standpoint. So St. John's, Maryland, maybe St. John's if they sneak in, but Maryland obviously toast. And then Clemson Final Four future, I have an Auburn long shot ticket to win the title at 80-1. to I got them in late November. Hopefully Jalen Williams comes back from that knee injury in SEC tournament play, which I'm fine with Auburn struggling down the stretch. I know they're beating Georgia on Saturday, but Still like the Tigers' outlook, assuming they get Jalen Williams back, even if the point guard plays a bit of a concern with Trey Donaldson and even Holloway in particular struggling offensively. Holloway's three-point shot is not carried over from non-conference, at least in the early portion of non-conference play. And then the last feature I have is Creighton, which is a high-variance team. I got them preseason 40-1 to and obviously love their performance against UConn, Stephen Ashworth probably the key to this recent surge for Creighton playing really well over the last 11 games, I think averaging close to 15 points a game. And he needed time to make the transition over from the Mountain West for sure. But it seems like the transition period is behind him. So issue with Creighton is when you have a high variance team and they don't generate offensive rebounds because they really value their transition defense, which I get from Greg McDermott's standpoint, but normally, and Creighton, my number is a bit more of a long shot than maybe they're priced into the market right now around 25 to 30 to 1. But usually, in general, outside of maybe people who got my number at 41-ish on the Jays, you want to take a team that's a bigger long shot to win or make a deep tournament run on top of the fact that maybe being like a double-digit dog or something that plays at a slower pace to create a lot of high variance. Because if Creighton is off from three in the tournament, they're done. Yeah, with this great bunch, because they do play at a little bit of a slower tempo, just a few missed threes to your point, that can lead to a little bit of an upset. And at the same time, if they're hitting their shots as well, that can lead to big upsets in their favor as well. So it's always interesting to look at those teams. And I do want to expand upon that a little bit more. Zeli Hershkovich, who does great work over at the Lions, is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, because as we know, we are very rapidly approaching March. And March basketball does feel like it has its own tenor. When we get into these conference tournaments, when we get into the NCAA tournament, traditionally, I'm not saying it's an end-all, be-all with every single game, but a lot of games. They start to slow down a little bit more. 
the possessions, they mean a little bit more. Are there certain things that you look at, certain attributes that you look at in teams in March that maybe you weren't looking at so much in January and February and putting them in a little bit of higher regard? Yeah, I think what you hit on is pretty true, especially in conference tournaments and March Madness for that matter, when you have a team that kind of to the point I just made, plays at a slower tempo and is a high variance team in terms of jacking up a lot of threes. Like a team I love to bet in Missouri Valley Conference play, along with the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, I probably will be on a long shot features bet. I actually wrote a write-up looking at some mid-major teams that I think are trending in the right direction over at thelines.com. And Southern Illinois is a team that I love to back. I'm a big Brian Mullen stan after – he was the defensive coordinator on that, I think, 2017 Loyola Chicago team that made a deep run going to the Final Four before losing to Michigan. But back to the Salukis, they play at an ultra-slow tempo and top two in three-point attempt rate in conference play. The defense is trending up. I mentioned since early February, Clemson's outlook. And you look at Southern Illinois and the Missouri Valley Conference in general, Drake 169 since the beginning of February and adjusted defensive efficiency. Indiana State is actually below SIU in adjusted efficiency over this stretch. Belmont, another team to consider, but the reason why I like a long shot dart on Southern Illinois, A, you have the high variance tempo to create a lot of problems because you're going to force teams, if you can dictate that tempo, to play at a slower pace. You create more variance with if the threes go your way. And then this season, they have a superstar in Xavier Johnson that can take over third leading score in college basketball. So those are the kind of ingredients that I look for, whether it's a conference tournament future, a conference tournament underdog, or a NCAA tournament underdog that are appealing. And I do like this Southern Illinois team myself. Xavier Johnson has become one of the highest usage guys in all of college basketball and has just been absolutely marvelous for the team all season long. And what else I like about Southern Illinois, to your point about high variance teams, teams that jack up a lot of threes, they're one of the best teams at guarding the arc in all of college basketball, entering into Sunday, top 15 team in all of college basketball. So that's something that I do take a look at myself. And something else I take a look at is people doing great work in this sphere. And Eli, you certainly fit the bill there. You do amazing work over there at the lines. I know that you're getting set for what is going to be a tremendous NCAA tournament. But in the meantime, we've got a week or two before these conference tournaments get absolutely wild and crazy. You do an amazing job gauging the sport that we all know and love. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you. I know people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can read all my betting columns over at thelines.com. You could subscribe to the Lines podcast too. That's where you'll find the Outside Trouts podcast starting this week, doing it twice a week with my guy, Steven Andrus, and soon to be a couple other college basketball contributors on the show ahead of March Madness. So twice a week, leading up to the NCAA tournament, and then we'll figure it out from there. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, The Lines, one word. And then you can also subscribe to The Lines free Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner to get all of my futures bets in real time. Eli does such a good job taking a look at this sport. His insights are really second to none, so it is always a pleasure to be able to get him aboard. And he, much like myself, very prepared for March. A big thanks to Eli for joining me on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Monday as we have some big shots. 
witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. my <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to be able to get Eli Hershkovich aboard. He does great work over the lines. Take a look at this wonderful game of college basketball that we all know and love. It is going to be a wild next few weeks. He is strapped in for it all. He does an amazing job taking a look at futures, game-to-game perspective, and so much more. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends such good insight. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side in total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at GNNRS41 and going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we're going to be going essentially with the ACC, the Big 12, and then the Coastal Conference games up top. Everything else as in time order at the bottom as it goes pretty much with the normal Las Vegas betting board, the bigger conferences, and then smaller conferences are in the extra game. So let's get things started with 881-882 on the card. It is Delaware, and they play us in Drexel. The Dragons of Drexel are a 2-2.5 two two point underdog. Total on this game, it is 138-138.5. to Did set Delaware as a 2.5 point favorite. So here at the Deuce, I'm going to be willing to lay the number. Delaware, the last time these two teams met up, they just caught a falling knife. Drexel was able shoot 10 of 20 from three-point range. He shot 60% from the floor, and I do think that that is going to reverse itself a little bit now. This is still one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball in Drexel. They're outside the top 325 with regards to total possessions per game, and for Drexel, this has been an offense that has been able to improve throughout the season. They're up to shooting about 34% from three-point range, but still a bunch that's about 133rd in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. You get a little bit more out of the Delaware team, and with Delaware, I just love the interchangeable parts they've got with this bunch. As Jair Davis, he's your main guy. He's been able to supply the team with about 17.5 points, throws in their 7.5 boards, doesn't necessarily shoot it well from three, but that's why you've got Gerald Drumgool who's been able to shoot about 38% from the outside. The big thing for this Delaware team, being able to play even up on the glass. Drexel is a top 35 team in all of college basketball with regards to a rebound rate. You've got Amari Williams who's been able to supply the team with 12 points, eight boards, and then you get some nice support out of Justin Moore who is able to give you more. He's been able to supply the team with about 12.5 points per contest, and then you've got from there 
trio of guys that shoot north of 36% from three-point range. Mate Okoros, Lukaos, Kobe McGee, they've been able to combine to shoot about 38% from the outside, but all three of these guys average between about 6.6 to 8.1 points per contest as very top heavy with those two and then it's a whole is greater than some of its parts approach from there and for Drexel it's been a little bit of tough times for this team. They've lost three out of their last five games. The defense has been leaking a little bit of oil giving up at least 69 points in four out of their last five games. Meanwhile for Delaware they've been pretty consistent with the way that they've been able to do a solid job in terms of being able to get some good tenacious defense giving up 73 points or fewer in four of their last five games. I do think that with the way that Drexel slows games down that Delaware is going to be able to get very much into rhythm. I do think that despite the fact that Drexel has been a top 80 team with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, they find a way to be able to get the ball inside with someone like a Jalon Trent being able to give you about three assists, eight and a half points per contest. Christian Ray down low has been able to give you nine rebounds per contest as well. And Delaware doesn't have a just strong reliance upon the three ball as well, which I think is going to be very important in this game against Drexel. And I do think that after last time around, it was just a very, very hot shooting night for Drexel. Things reverse course here. So, did somebody tell 136F, diving in on the under, and I'm willing to lay up to a deuce with Delaware. 883, 884 on the betting board. West Virginia, it's a road face-off against Kansas State. K-State is a 9.5 to a 10-point favorite with your total between 142 and 143. Did semi-total at a 139. I'm looking at the under. Kansas State, they've been a relatively mid-tempo team in terms of possessions per 40 minutes. Their numbers are a little bit warped in terms of total possessions because of the just massive amount of overtime games that they played, and that does warp their raw numbers. Kansas State, if you're looking on a per-possession basis, they're well outside the top 175 in terms of points scored per possession. Meanwhile, they're a top 65 team with regards points a lot on a per-possession basis. Now, for West Virginia, they're well outside the top 125 in both of those categories. They're outside the top 150 with regards to rebound rate, but with West Virginia, you do need to be mindful. This team has not had their full allotment of guys out there on the floor all season long. This is, I believe, game number eight that you've actually had the main guards along Jesse Edwards all out there as a collective. Jesse Edwards, he was banged up throughout the month of January when Yad Kirkreese and Noah Farrakhan, along with Raekwon Battle, back out there on the floor and between Kreese, Farrakhan, and Raekwon Battle. These three guys, they've been able to combine for about 37 points per contest with Kreese. He's able to shoot 43% from three points. Just turn the ball over a little bit too much and this is a Kansas State team that has been very solid in terms of just their overall defense last few seasons. They're not generating as many turnovers this year as they did a season ago, but this team is a top 75 team with regards to the rebound rate with Arthur Kaluma, David Ingesson being able to combine for about 13 boards per contest and then in the backcourt, you've got Cam Carter, Tyler Perry. These two guys, they both give you 15.1 points per contest, but they combine shoot about 31% for three. Kansas State, they are outside the top 300 in terms of three-point shooting percentage with West Virginia now getting Edwards back down low with them being able to get a little bit more stability in the backcourt, having these guards be able to step it back up. And West Virginia, just in general, has not been a team that has turned it over a ton. It's not been great for them, to say the least, but the effort is getting a little bit better. They hold in there to the tune of single digits against Iowa State. They did a nice job getting the job done against Central Florida. They, prior to that, had given up 80-plus points in each other previous three games, but it does feel like it's coming to the forefront a little bit more. West Virginia is finding out who they are, going up against a Kansas State team that, in regulation, because, again, they have played so many overtime games, but regulation and regulation only. This team has scored 72 points or fewer in all but one out of their last 10 games since these two teams last hooked up on January 9th. So, I did set my 139. I'm looking at the under. And with West Virginia, I'm going to be willing to take the points despite the travel set my line at 9. 885, 886 on the betting board. Miami, they throw their facing up against North Carolina. 
UNC is a favorite of 14 points. Charlotte's game is 154.5. I did set my line at a 12.5. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Miami. It has been rough for Miami. You've been dealing with injuries to Matthew Cleveland, along with Nigel Pack, but you still have no Chad Omir, who I think is going to be so big against a North Carolina team that is a top 30 team in all of college basketball. The guards a rebound rate. North Carolina 34th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. They've been a beastly offense with R.J. Davis supplying 21 points, 3.5 assists, shooting his 40% from three-point range. And North Carolina, they shoot it well from three-point range at 35.5%, but a lot of their success this year has been by doing the little things. Now you have been able to have Armando Bacot along with Harrison Ingram combined for 19.5 rebounds per game. They only turn the ball over 10.5 times for contest. Cormac Ryan, a nice ancillary score. is able to give you 11 points per contest, but for Miami, you have been able to see quite a few of these guys be able to step up as well. Wuka Poplar, he's been able to give you about 13.5 points per contest. He shoots 41% from three-point range. Now, if they're able to get Nigel Pack back, that would be absolutely massive. I'm not thinking that that's going to be the case in this one, so you're going to be seeing a lot more Benley Joseph. Was well, able to give you about three and a half assists per contest. For Miami, the 12 turnovers per contest, that's been a little bit rough, but I do think that they're going to be able to get some good production here out of Keyshawn George, who has been able to step up in these last few games, in which I have not had Pack, along with also, Matthew Cleveland, he had 16 points, 6 assists in their most recent game against Georgia Tech, so I like his overall skill set. And for Miami, this has been a team that's been able to guard the perimeter relatively well this year. They are in the top 125 with that regard. It is a Miami defense that overall, it is very much slip sliding away. And when you do get Miami outside of Corral Gables, it has been far from terrific in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. This Miami team currently checking in right around about 156. They are giving up nearly 13 points more per one hour possessions when they leave home rather than when they are at home. But you also have a North Carolina team that stands that game against Duke. They really have given up 72 points or fewer in all but one of them in their last nine. So I do think that they're starting to step up with that regard. But I do think that Miami finds a way to be able to hold in this game. I do think that they're going to be able to cut off this UNC team from the outside. And I do think that with Omir, being able to give you a little bit over a steal, being able to do all that he does down low, that's going to be just enough. For Miami to be able to hold in this game, I set my line at 12.5, so you're at the 14. I'm going to be willing to take the points, and made my total 152.5. This North Carolina team has been absolutely dominant with their defense. Well, I recognize that they're a top 50 team in the country with regards to total possessions per game, but I do think the Miami going to be looking to slow it down as well with a lot of their key pieces out of the fold. So, look at the under, and I'm going to be taking the points with the Hurricanes. 887, 888 on the betting board. Campbell is going to be playing us UNC Wilmington. Wilmington is a road favorite of between 8 and 9 points. Your total on game. That is 143.5 to 144.5. I did set Campbell as a 6.0 underdog. I'm going to be willing to take the points. Both of these teams have had similar struggles on defense. You've got a UNC Wilmington team that is outside the top 175 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis at Campbell. They're about 268th with this regard. These are two teams that prove that just because you play slowly does not mean that you're very good on defense and both of these teams have a feature score. As Tarzarian White for this UNC Wilmington team, he's able to give you 20 points, 6 boards, pops it well from 3 for a Wilmington team that in terms of their overall just fewest turnovers on a per possession basis. They're a top five team in all of college basketball. They turn the ball over fewer than nine times per game. Meanwhile, they go up against the Campbell team that they do turn the ball over about 11 and a half to 12 times per contest. That's a little bit of a concern. A lot of it is because they do have Anthony Del Rosso having to do a little bit of everything. 16 plus points, 6 plus boards. He doles out 3 assists. But Campbell is a pretty good perimeter defense at home. They allow opponents to shoot just 31 half percent from 3 at home. This balloons up to 36% in a roadside shoot venue and 
for this Wilmington team. They have had their issues being able to guard the three-point line as well. 283rd in all of college basketball with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. And it's a Wilmington team that, even though Charzarian White has been able to do a nice job down low, it's not like they've been some sort of a dominant team on the glass. He's really their top rebounder. As a result, Wilmington is about 175th in the country with regards to their rebound rate. Campbell, they are clocking in more around 286, but you've been able to have a few other pieces be able to step up for this team. Laurinaitis, Veristerius, hopefully I said that correctly. He's been able to give the team right around about three assists per contest, 10 points, throwing in there a few boards. And then on top of that, Jason Fasani has been able to give you about nine points, four boards, two and a half assists. He's shooting about 39% from three-point range when he is at all, man. It's a UNCW team that has been able to get really good production from the outside themselves out of someone like a KJ. Jenkins is shooting north of 37% from three-point range. Shaikim Phillips, he's really your main facilitator on the scene with four assists, two seals per contest. It is a UNC Wilmington team that has also been able to give you a much better effort defensively recently as well. They've given up 65 points or fewer in four of their last five games. Last time these two teams met up, it was 77 to 74, and ever since that both of these teams have been bogging down their system a little bit in that game. You needed Wilmington to go 15 of 40 from three-point range. I just don't foresee that being the case once again. These two teams had a combined 13 turnovers, and while these two teams are very efficient, I don't think that they're going to be quite that efficient in this spot as you do have a Wilmington team that, truth be told, they just don't generate a lot of turnovers. And you've got a Campbell team that they themselves come in having scored less than 70 points against both Drexel and Hampton. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that you see a couple fewer threes being made, and Campbell has been able to play much better with her defense at home. So I did set my total at 140, looking at the under. Now with Campbell, made them a six-point dog, so I'm going to be taking a look at the points. This is the last game on the normal Las Vegas spending board before we hit the extra games. 889-890. It is TCU. They play Osa Baylor. Baylor does find themselves as a two-and-a-half to a three-point underdog. Your total on this game, it is between 148 to 148-and-a-half. Did set my total 150. Looking at the over. Last time these two teams played, it was a triple overtime thriller. My DK network write-up was on the under, and that got dusted due to the overtimes. But I do think that with regards to this game, it was about 75-75 to 75 in regulation before it went to overtime. And I see something very similar here. We've got a TCU and Baylor bunch that both... They don't have a single guy that give you north of really six to six half rebounds per game, but they're both top 35 teams with regards to their rebound rate. Micah Peavy, Aloth Emmanuel Miller, they combine for about 27 half points, 11 boards. You've got a TCU team that have their top six scores. Five of them give you at least a seal per contest, so they do a nice job there, while Baylor has been one of the better teams in all of college basketball being able to take care of the ball. They do shoot about 39.5% for three, which has fallen to about 35% in conference. Out of conference, this team was white up, but still have Jacoby Walt Ray J. Dennis, who are combining for 28 points. They combine for two and a half seals. Dennis does turn the ball for three and a half times for contest. That's a little bit more of a usage thing. And then you've got Eves and the C along Jalen Bridges. will be able to supply the team with about 11 rebounds per game for this Baylor bunch. You've got six different guys that average at least 7.8 points per contest. And all but one of them is able to shoot north of 37.5% from three that have made at least one three. Messi has not made a three all season long. Everyone else has made at least one three. Sands Walter shooting at least 37 percent from the outside, but this CCU team has been much better at home rather than on the road with their defense, and both of these teams are giving up more than 12 points fewer per runner possessions when they're at home rather than in a roadside shoot score venue. TCU, they are allowing opponents to shoot about 32.2% for three-point range at home. Baylor, they allow opponents to shoot 38% when they do leave home. I do think that TCU is going to be able to exploit that. Jameer Nelson Jr. has done a nice job being able to give you double figures for TCU. You've got three separate guys on the roster. They're able to give you north of three assists per contest. 
Trey Tennyson has been a really nice knockdown scorer. Nine and a half points. She's 43 and a half percent from three par range. And I do think that TCU finds a way to be able to get it done. And TCU has really been upping their tempo. They're a top 40 team with regards to total possessions per game. So did semi total 150. You're at the 148, 148 and a half. Looking at the over. And I'm looking to lay with TCU. Now we hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today. So we go into the bonus. 306, 633, 306, 634. Nichols is playing us incarnate word. The word finds themselves as eight and a half to nine and a half point underdogs. Your total on scheme, it is 145. Set Nichols as a nine and a half point favorite. This opened up at 10. So now there were down to eight and a half to nine. I'm going to be willing to lay it with Nichols. This used to be a team that would just go out there, generate a whole bunch of turnovers, what have you. That's not the case this season. Instead, they've got two main scorers that just really work in tandem. Deontay Smith along with Jamal West. They combine for 30 points in that pocket of about 14 rebounds. You're able to get out of Smith, three assists, two steals. He pops it at a 39% clip from three points. It is a Nichols team that they do turn the ball over about 13 and a half times per game. And Nichols, they are going to give up their open looks from three point range. This is a Nichols bunch that they allow you to shoot about 33.5% from three point range at home. That actually falls to about 31.5% in a roadside search court venue. But incarnate word is well outside the top 275 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. They allow opponents to shoot 36% from three away from home. Sky Wicks has been relatively solid for them. He supplies the team with about 14 points, six plus rebounds per game, but this team, I think, is going to get completely decimated on the glass. This is by the fact that you bring in Alex Anderson, transfer from the swag. He's been able to give the team right around about nine to 10 points per contest, and then Joshua Morgan. He's been able to shoot out about a clip of 38% from three points, but none of these guys are really doing a nice job holding their ground down low. They're about 194th in all of college basketball with regards to their rebound rate. It is a nickel seam that they've been a little bit more top-heavy with regards to their scoring this season, but... They now get to go up against an Incarnate Word team that is just self-inflicting so many wounds. With Incarnate Word, they are turning the ball over north of 15 times for contest. They're a bottom 40 team in terms of ball protection. You've been able to get some really good production all season long out of Sean Robinson, who's been able to give you about 9.5 points, 5 boards per contest, but he's been a little bit in and out of the fold. He's trying to work his way back. Finally played north of 60 minutes for the first time in about a month in their last game against McNeese, so I was able to give them a little bit of a breath of life, but that's it for Incarnate Word. They are shooting about 34% from three-point range, which is not too bad, but with them just turning the ball over left and right, with them being a little bit rudderless out there in the backcourt, I do think the Nichols could be able to exploit that. This is a Nichols team that is still a top 75 team with regards to total possessions per game, and a defense that is starting to bear down a little bit more. They've given up 70 points or fewer in two of their last four games. Meanwhile, you've got an Incarnate Word team that's just getting completely decimated on defense. 76 plus points surrendered in four of their last five games. I did set my total 143.5. I think that the turnovers keep Incarnate word from being able to get this total over. I do think that Nichols is going to be able to do a good job of being able to turn those turnovers into offense. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under and with Nichols. I'm willing to lay up to nine with them. 306-635, Bethune-Cookman is going to be playing us to Alabama State. Alabama State is a two to two and a half point underdog with your total between 139 and 140. Except Bethune-Cookman has a four point favorite. Going to be willing to lay the number. Bethune-Cookman is a top 15 team in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers force on a per possession basis. You saw the wonky stat line of Devani McIntyre is giving you about three points per contest while generating about 2.3 steals per game. I've never seen anything quite like it. And then you've got a trio in the backcourt and Zion Harmon along with Deshaun Dyson, Jacoby Heaty. These three guys have been able to combine for you about 44 points per contest. They all give you at least a steal and a half per contest. Heaty's the only guy that shoots about 32.5% or more from three par inch. So that's been a bit of an issue for Bethune-Cookman. And they do go up against an Alabama State team that has legitimately been the best defense in the 
conference. Alabama State, a top 150 team in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage. That falls to about 32.8% in a roadside shooting court venue. They're a top 140 team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and it's Madlock squared for this team. Tony Madlock is the coach. TJ Madlock is the son. TJ has been able to supply the team with a little bit of everything. Five rebounds, two and a half assists, 15 and a half points, but he doesn't knock down shots, and that's the thing with Alabama State. Bottom 15 team in all of college basketball. The guards are field goal shooting percentage at 36.5%. They shoot 27.6% from three. Nice job generating turnovers. 8.8 steals per contest. That's a top 25 mark in all of college basketball in terms of steals for us on a per possession basis, but also don't have a lot down low. You've been able to get about six half rebounds per game out of Yubong Okan. He's only giving you about three points per contest, so he's pretty much a designated rebounder for the team. And then CJ Hines has been able to shoot about 36% from three par range, but with the way that Bethune Cookman has been able to get Derek Hart. Hollinger going. He's a transfer from Montana. He's been able to pop it at a clip of about 42% from three-point range and for Bethune Cookman, even though they are outside the top 275 with regards to the rebound rate, you've got a lot of guys that as a collective have been able to do a relatively solid job down low. I do think that Bethune Cookman is able to generate those turnovers and with Alabama State just being an inefficient offense in general, I do think that Bethune Cookman gets the job done here. I did something I told 142. I do think that this is going to be close enough for late game felling and you've got a Bethune Cookman team that is in the top 65 with regards to total possessions per game. So, looking at the over, and I'm going to be willing to lay it with Bethune Cookman, set them as a four point favorite. 306637, 306638. Morgan State plays us in Norfolk State. Norfolk State is a four to a four and a half point road favorite. Your total on this game is 144 and a half. Did something by total 143 and a half. You've got a Morgan State team that is not quite in the top 20 with regards to possessions per game, unlike in past seasons. Meanwhile, for Norfolk State, they're a bottom 30 team with regards to total possessions per game. Now, Norfolk State has not been good on the glass all season long. They're well outside the Top 175 with regards to the rebound rate. You don't have anyone other than Jelani Darden, who's been able to give you north of four boards per contest. He supplies you with about 7.5 boards and does shoot 45.5% from three-point range for a Norfolk State team that they shoot about 33.5% from the outside. But now you get to go up against a Morgan State team that is well outside the top 275. Turns points a lot on a per-possession basis. Now, I do like Winston Tabs. He comes in from the ACC, was playing at Boston College, 15 points, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. He's able to generate a few seals as well. But for Morgan State, they just get absolutely cooked from the outside. Morgan State, allowing opponents in a roadside shoot record environment to shoot 37.5% from three, but that falls to about 30.4% from, from three-point range at home, but I just don't know if it's going to be quite enough to hold in there against Norfolk State because I was mentioning the fact that Norfolk State does not do an amazing job on the glass. Neither does this Morgan State team as Norfolk State, while they're 250th in the country with regards to their rebound rate, Morgan State is somehow even worse. Morgan State is 348th. You've had Will Thomas be able to supply the team with about five or so rebounds per game. He's been able to give you about 12 points per contest and then you've got someone in Cameron Hops who's able to shoot 40% from three-point range, but this is a Morgan State team as a whole. They shoot 39% from three. They are, in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis, a bottom 45 team in all of college basketball. And for our Morgan State credit, we're credit zoo. They've gotten to at least 70 points in four of their last five games, but now you have to go up against a Norfolk State team that has been able to do a nice job holding up on defense with that slow grinder style on this Norfolk State team. They are pretty much average in all of college basketball with regards to the 
opponent's three-point shooting percentage, but the one place where they really shine is the fact that they have been able to generate so many turnovers. They are a top 75 team with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, and with Morgan State not being able to take care of the ball, I do think that that leads to doomsday and Norfolk State being able to pull this game out. I did set my line at a 5.5. I'm going to be willing to lay the number in because I do think that you get a lot of wasted possessions. Did set my total 143.5, so looking at the under, and I'm going to be willing to lay with Norfolk State. 306-639, Howard is going to be playing against Coppin State. Coppin State is an underdog of 12 to 13 points with your total between 138.5 and 139. The only team that is generating fewer points per possession than Coppin State right now is Mississippi Valley State. This is a clear under for me. I set my total at 136.5 and... This is despite the fact that Howard, they've been rough with their defense. Howard is well outside the top 250 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis and in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. And for Compensate, they're actually a top 225 team with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And Compensate, they're a heat-seeking missile when it comes to being able to generate turnovers. In terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis away from home, they're a top 12 team in all of college basketball. But Justin Winston is like the only guy that is giving you production right now. 12 points, 5 boards per contest. He leads the team in really both of those categories. You've been able to have someone like a Greg Spurlock be able to step up. He's been able to give you about 8 or 9 points per contest, but it's rough on that front. Meanwhile, for Howard, the uh, marquee guys should be able to step up and take hold of this game. Bryce Harris, Seth Towns, they're able to combine for about 31 points, 14 boards. You've got Towns shooting 37.5% from distance. Harris shoots 41% from 3-point. Marcus Dockery has been able to shoot 40% from 3-point. Shy Odom has been a little bit in and out of the fold, but he's back. He gives you a little bit more down low with about 9 points in the neighborhood about 4 rebounds per game as well. And then when it comes to this compensate team, they just can't stop turning the ball over as well. In terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis on offense, a bottom 15 team in all of college basketball. You actually do have a 51% three-point shooter in Malik Battle, but he just can't get off a lot of shots, and he's been all over the place. In the team's last five games, he has scored 0, 18, 17, 6, and 27 points. You just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him night in and night out. Compensate as a whole is averaging about 58 points per contest. They just can't run good offense. Meanwhile, the defense, I mean, it's been there, but they still have given up 75-plus points in three of their last five games. Howard, meanwhile, they've been able to step it up a little bit more on defense. It doesn't sound like much, but they've given up 72 points or fewer in all but two of their games here in the month of February, and the last time these two teams played, that was an 81-66 to win, in which compensate, they shot 4 of 21 from 3 points. The only reason why they got the points that they did is that they went 22 of 28 at the free throw line. I do think that Howard is going to be able to dominate once again. I do think that for compensate, they're going to be able to generate turnovers. I do think that they hold this Howard team to more like the 72-75 range, but I think that Howard just flat out flattens them and does a very solid job on the glass for a compensate team as well inside the top 225 with regards to the rebound right. Set Howard as a 16.5 point favorite, one away, semi total 136 half, so also diving under. 3 of 6, 641, 3 of 6, 642, NC Central, they play out to Delaware State. Delaware State is an underdog of 4 to 4.5 points, Delaware State is 138. Set Delaware State as a six-point underdog. I'm going to be one to lay it. NC Central has done a really good job of being able to generate turnovers and being able to hold up from three-point range. NC Central is allowing opponents to shoot 22.1% from three-point range at home. Now, granted, they played a lot of their games on the road, so if you take everything into account, and that goes to 28.3%. That is still a top-five mark in all of college basketball. And they play against the Delaware State team that legitimately is a top-125 team in the country with regards to their points allowed on a per-possession basis. Delaware State, they ripped the ball away from you. 18th in the country. 
country with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, but you've got an NC Central team that has been one of your better teams at being able to generate turnovers as well. So you've got two very much defense-oriented teams and you've got a Delaware State team that they just flat out don't knock it down from the outside. You've got Martez Robinson, Jevin Munoz. These two guys are able to supply you with about 14 points per contest, and Munoz is able to shoot in the high 30s from three-par range. Meanwhile, Robinson, he's able to chip in there about six points per contest. Delaware State is going to be the better rebounding team in this one. They are a top 125 team with regards to the rebound rate. You've been able to get about six boards, seven points per game out of Wesley Oba, but that offense very much a concern as they do turn the ball for 15 times for contest. NC Central, not necessarily the most clean offense in the world as they also do turn the ball over right in the neighborhood about 12 times for contest, but we got a fearsome threesome out there in the backcourt. Poboy King, Jadarius Harris, Fred Cleveland. These three guys have been able to give you combined about 45 points per contest. They shoot as a collective 34.5% from three-point range. Now, Emmanuel Izabuner is the only guy in the roster that gives you north of five rebounds per game. That's a little bit of a concern, but I do think that NC Central and Delaware State, they're going to be trading a bunch of turnovers, which is going to be keeping this game relatively low scoring, but I do think that in the end, NC Central, with the strength that they've got in the backcourt, with the fact that they've got a little bit more backcourt depth as well, and you take a look at this Delaware State team and scored 71 points or fewer in four of their last five games. Meanwhile, you've got an NC Central bunch as much more capable of scoring, getting to at least the 72-point plateau in each of the last five games. I do think that that wins out. So by total 136, looking at the under, and with NC Central, one to lay up to five and a half with them. Three of six, six forty-three. Three of six, six forty-four. South Carolina State plays us Maryland Eastern Shore, and the Shore is an eight to an eight and a half point underdog. Your total between 136 and a half and 137 set the Shore as an underdog of nine and a half points. I'm going to be one to lay it. South Carolina State is one of the more intriguing teams in all of college basketball. They literally don't have a single guy that averages north of 8.5 points per contest. Michael Teal is right now leading the way. 8.4 points per contest. Talk about a hole is greater than the sum of its parts approach. Here you go. But you do have someone in Davion Everett down low who's been pretty solid. He's been able to give you 7.5 points, 6.5 boards per contest. It is a South Carolina State team that plays at a top 35 rate with regards to total possessions per game. They do turn the ball over about 15 times per contest, but... They do go up against the Maryland Easter Shore team that they're just so terrible on the glass. 317th in the country with regards to rebound rate. Meanwhile, the South Carolina State team, they've been halfway respectable on defense. They're a top 200 team with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. Last year, Maryland Eastern Shore, they were completely built around being able to generate turnovers. They just have absolutely none of that this season. And South Carolina State is 83rd in the country with regards to rebound rate. Rebounding at a 55.3% clip at home. That's a top 50 mark in all of college basketball. Seed has been able to give you about 13 half points per contest. Shoots 33% from three, but for the shore, they turn the ball over 14 times for contest. As a relatively mid-tempo team, they only shoot about 30% from three-par range themselves. And for Maryland Eastern Shore, they're going to allow you a lot of open opportunities to be able to pop it from inside. They do a nice job of being able to lock down the perimeter. Opponents are only shooting about 32% from three-par range. They are 69th, very nice in all of college basketball with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. But you've got a South Carolina State team that is not looking to be able to pop it from three-par range at all. They have seemingly no backcourt whatsoever. And for Maryland Eastern for sure, they're just getting completely tattooed down low. They're allowing opponents in a roadside church court venue to shoot 55.1% from two. That's outside the top three internationally. Meanwhile, you've got a South Carolina State team that has been able to hunker down with that regard. South Carolina State, they've been able to do a solid job of 
just not allowing you a lot of open opportunities in general. And South Carolina State is another one of those teams that is doing a solid job of being able to take the ball away. As in terms of turnovers, force out on a per possession basis, they're a top 125 team in all of college basketball. I do think that South Carolina State is going to be playing in a little bit of a sloppy Joe's game, but I do think that with Michael Keel being able to help out this backcourt, and South Carolina State just finally finding that offense, getting to at least 75 points in three of their last five games. Meanwhile, this defense has allowed 71 or fewer in each other the last five. They seem to be rounding in form while Maryland Eastern Shore, they themselves have been able to get to at least 69 points in three of their last five games, and they're getting torched on defense. So it's a circumstance where I did set my line at 9.5. I'm going to be willing to lay the number in. Did set my total at 137.5 here at the 136.5, Looking at the over, and I'm going to be willing to lay of South Carolina State. 306.645, He's a Christian. Place those two Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, a 12 to a 12.5 point favorite. Total on this game between 151 and 151.5. Set Corpus Christi as a 13.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. Corpus Christi, third best cover rate team in all of college basketball, and it's because they do the little things. Corpus Christi is actually a pretty ghastly three-point shooting team. They lose Trey Tennyson. They lose their coach, Bill Lutz. As a result, they're now shooting about 30.3% from three-point range, but they've got toughness down low. They're a top 75 team with regards to rebound rate, top 75 team in terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis. Dane Prim, who comes in from Northwestern State, has been able to supply the team with six boards of steal per contest, and you just take a look at the Texas A&M Corpus Christi team, and you're getting good overall backcourt play out of Marion Humphrey. He doesn't give you a lot of score. He only chips in there five and a half points per contest, but he runs an efficient offense with 1.6 steals, three and a half assists per contest. Love what he's able to do. And then you've got someone like a Gary Clark who's able to give you about eight boards, 12 and a half points per contest, going up against a Houston Christian team that they're in the top 25 with regards to total possessions per game, and they're in the bottom 20 in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per possession basis. You've got two guys on this Houston Christian team that are shooting above 25% from three-point this season. Marcus Green is able to supply you with about 14 half points. Shoots 42% from three. Dom Capriotti, seven half points. Shoots 41.5% from three. Everyone else, a complete liability from beyond the arc. Now, Houston Christian, a top 125 team with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, but just as I alluded to, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they're not taking any threes whatsoever. Michael Irabage, hopefully I said that correctly, he's been leading the way with being able to give you about eight and a half rebounds per game, and then bump game, but he's been able to give you about 9.7 boards per contest, but for the Houston Christian team, despite the fact that they're relatively uh, national average with regards to rebound rate, Texas A&M Corpus Christi going to be able to carve them up down low in this Corpus Christi team, just pounding teams into oblivion on defense, giving up 67 points or fewer in each of their last four games. Meanwhile, you've got a Houston Christian team that they have allowed at least 80 points in every single game this month, so it's a good old situation of something's got to give. I do think that Houston Christian just going to continue to get pounded on defense. Last time these two teams played, it was 81-59. to I think that Corpus Christi can even get past 81 in this spot. And I do think that Corpus Christi gives you a little bit more than 59, but I do think that Corpus Christi is able to perform sound domination once again. Semi-line at 13.5, going to be willing to lay the number and did semi-total 153.5. Corpus Christi has been dominant on defense, but I do think that the offense leads to a big giant win, willing to lay it with Corpus Christi and taking a look at the under. 306647, 306648. Lamar is going to be playing with McNeese. McNeese is a favorite of 10.5 points. Tallon's game is 148 to 148.5. With McNeese, I set them as a favorite of 9 points. So here at 10 to 10.5, I'm going to be willing to take those points with Lamar. Lamar does a really good job of just having good balance. You don't have a single guy in the roster that really gives you a north of 12.5 points per contest. That's Gary Terry Anderson. Has been the top guy. 12.5 points, 6.5 boards, 2.5 per contest, but 
You've got four separate guys that give you at least 7.8 points per game, like what Adam Hamilton has been able to supply down low with about six half rebounds per game. And it's a Lamar team that's about 175th in all of college basketball in terms of rebound rate. McNeese with having Christian Shulman giving you 12 points, nine rebounds per game. They're going to be able to win that battle down low as McNeese has been a team that has been very slow, very under control, about 130th in the country with regards to their rebound rate. And McNeese has honestly been a really good perimeter defense when they've been away from home. Not so much at home. At home, Opponents have been able to shoot about 37.5% from three-point range in a roadside shoot score venue. This does fall to about 31.3% from the outside, and that's one of the big trepidations that you do have with Lamar. Lamar, they have been 257th this season with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. That does fall to 30.8% from distance, though, when they have been at home. Lamar, they are a team that they themselves do turn the ball over about 12.5 times for contest, but you got a lot of interchangeable parts when it comes to facilitation. Three separate guys, they're able to give you at least two and a half assists per contest, including including Calvin Pryor, who's been able to give you about 11.5 points. Shoots 39.5% from three-point range. BB Knight is able to shoot about 38% from the outside as well. And then with McNeese, Shada Wilson is going to be the best scorer out there on the floor. 17 points, 4.8 assists for a McNeese team that has only turned the ball over 9.6 times for contest. In terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis, they are a top 25 team in all of college basketball. I just don't know if McNeese is going to be able to have enough possessions to be able to cover this number. I do think that Lamar could be able to find a way to knock down a few outside shots. You've got a McNeese team that has given up 67 points or fewer in four of their last five games. Meanwhile, you've got a Lamar bunch that they've been able to step it up a little bit more with their defense as well, giving up 72 points or fewer in three of their last five games. I did set my total at 147. Here at 148 plus. Going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm going to take double figures here with Lamar. 306, 649, 306, 650. Florida A&M is going to be playing us to Alabama A&M, and this this is going to be the DK Network right to pick for AM. An underdog of one and a half to two points. So, on this game, it is 141. When I wrote this up, it was at 140 and a half. Now that we've seen it tick up a little bit, you still have some good runway for the over. I did set my total at 144. My DK Network right to pick is on this total over. And before AM, they just flat out have not been good on defense. They're in 22nd in all of college basketball with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. But both of these teams' offensive numbers have been very much diminished by the fact that. They had a lot of guys out of the fold to begin the season, and ever since they have returned, these two teams have been much better at being able to put the ball in the basket. Jalen Spear for Florida A&M, he was out until December 30th. He made his season debut against South Carolina. If you take a look at what they did before then, when Spear was out of the fold, they were averaging 80.5 points per one hour possessions. Since his return, this has went up by 17.8 points per one hour possessions, up to 98.3 points per one hour possessions. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side, you've got Cameron Tucker. He's the main point guard for Alabama AM, and they're a leader in rebounds with 4.3 rebounds per game, which is horrible, but he's been able to supply the team with 8.5 points, 4.3 rebounds, 4.1 assists per contest. He was out the first nine games of the season. Without him, Alabama AM was registering 88.4 points. Per one hour possessions, 95.3 points per one hour possessions with them in the fold. And you've got a lot of second chances are going to be had as well. I mentioned it with Alabama AM. The fact that you've got Cameron Tucker right now leading the way with 4.3 rebounds per game. That is very concerning to say the least. They, in terms of percentage of missed shots that result in an offensive rebound, they are 333rd in all of college basketball. Opponents are rebounding 31.8% of their misses against the Alabama AM Bulldogs. Meanwhile, Florida AM 
They're 292nd with this regard. Opponents are rebounding 29.7% of their missed shots against them. Along with Spear, you've been able to have some good support with being able to get about 6 rebounds and 12.5 points per contest out of Keith Lamar for this Florida A&M team. And for Florida A&M, they do shoot as collective about 34.5% from 3 points, the 15 turnovers per game. They've been a little bit costly, but Alabama A&M has not really been able to do an amazing job with regards to their defense. They're 30th in the country with regards to total possessions per game, and they are really giving up from the perimeter. Really, both of these teams are. Both of these teams entered into Sunday having a lot of opponents to shoot 35.7% from three, tied for 304th in all of college basketball. And both of these teams, they just follow a ton and they put you on the free throw line. Alabama A&M leads the country in terms of free throw attempts on a per-game basis, allowing opponents to take 27.4 attempts per game, fifth in the country in terms of free throws allowed per defensive play. For A&M, they are 26th in terms of free throws allowed per offensive play. They allow opponents to get more than 24 free throws per game as well. And this is a Florida A&M team that still giving up at least 77 points in three out of their last five games. For Alabama A&M, they've actually given up fewer than 70 points in each out of their last five games. Part of it is playing against Grambling, Mississippi Valley State, teams of this nature. And I do think that you are going to be seeing things rise up quite a bit with regards to the scoring. Florian has been pretty explosive on offense. A turd on defense. You're able to say that really, really both of these teams. And for Alabama A&M, other than Dalen Smith, who's been able to give you 14 points per contest, nobody else really gives you north of 9 points per contest. But... It has been a whole square than some of its parts approach with guys like Omari Peak and Company being able to give about 8 to 9 points per contest. So I do think that both of these teams are going to be approached 70 year. My DK Network right to pick. That is on the total over. And with 4 AM, made them the two point favorite. I'm going to be willing to take them all right on the money line as I do think that they win this game from within on the glass. 306 651, 306 652. It is Mississippi Valley State playing us to Prairie View. Prairie View is a 9 to a 9.5 point road favorite. Your totals between 135.5 and 136.5. Yep, it is a take for me on Prairie View. I set them as an 11.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. Mississippi Valley State. Dead last in the country in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. They are averaging 2.9 points fewer per 100 possessions than the next worst offense in all of college basketball. And it's just so unfortunate for Raekwon Brown, who's been able to give Mississippi Valley State a good effort. 17.5 points, 6.2 boards, throws in there a few assists, and then you got Donovan Sanders, who's been able to give you 2.7 assists per game. But they now go up against a Prairie View team that's in the top 20 nationally with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis against the Mississippi Valley State team. That is number one in the country with turnovers committed on a per-possession basis. Now, Prairie View, they're a bottom 10 team in the country with regards to rebound rate. You've got Brian Miles, who's been able to supply the team with about 8.5 boards, 11.5 points per contest, and he is the only guy on the team that gives you north of 4.5 rebounds per game, but I do like the backcourt duel of Charles Smith, the fourth, Longevante Hopkins. These two guys, they both give you 14 points apiece. Smith has been able to shoot 37% from three-point and just for a Prairie View team that overall, they're shooting just 30.7% from the outside, and Prairie View is one of those teams that if they don't generate a turnover, they do allow you a little bit of a open look from the outside Prairie View. They are allowing opponents to shoot 34.9% from three, but who in the heck on Mississippi Valley State is going to be able to take advantage? They've got Areco Gibson who shoots north of 40% from three, supplying the team with about seven and a half points per contest, but we got legitimately four guys on the team that give you north of four and a half points per game. It's just been utter sadness for this Mississippi Valley State team. They turn the ball over left and right. Prairie View, I think, is going to be able to really stick them in the mud. And for Mississippi Valley State, I just don't know if there's a path forward to them for victory in any of their games 
for the rest of the season. Set my total at 133 133.5. I'm going to be looking at the under. Now with Prairie View, set them as 11.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it. And we'll wrap things up with 3 of 6653, 3 of 6654. Arkansas Pine Bluff plays us to Texas Southern. Texas Southern, an underdog of 2 to 2.5 points. Totals between 147.5 to 149. I set my total at 150. I'm going to be looking at the over. It's a Pine Bluff team as well outside the top three with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. But a Pine Bluff team as in the top 40 with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. I do think that they carve up Texas Southern from the outside. Made Arkansas Pine Bluff the two-point favorite. I'm going to be looking at them outright on the money line and really both of these teams have had their issues defensively, but Pine Bluff actually does a really good job of being able to guard the arc. They're 43rd in all of college basketball in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage. They just get absolutely lambasted inside. They're a bottom 10 team in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate, despite the fact that Ishmael Plett has been able to give you north of six rebounds per game. And they do go up against the Texas Southern team as outside the top 275 with regards to their rebound rate. They don't have a single guy that gives you north of four and a half rebounds per game. And to the credit of Texas Southern, they do allow opponents to shoot only about 33% from three-part range away from them. Nothing great, nothing terrible there. But Pine Bluff, I just think, has enough shooting to be able to get this total over and to be able to get the job done as you've got a trio of guys and Joe French, Kyle Milton along with Rashad Williams that would be able to combine for 51 and a half points per contest. All three guys shoot at least 36% from three-point range. And for Arkansas Pine Bluff in a late-game following situation, all of their top four scores shoot at least 73% in the free throw line. They're able to throw in there the 10 and a half points per contest out of Len L. Martin. And you just don't have that with this Texas Southern team. Texas Southern does have Jonathan Cisse. He comes in from Incarnate Word. He's been able to supply the team with about 11 and a half points per contest. Shoots 37% from three. But for Texas Southern, I mean, this is just absolutely startling. Out of their top six scores, all but one of them shoot below 39% from the floor. Talk about inefficiency. You've got that with this Texas Southern team that's in the bottom 20 nationally. With regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, they've been a little bit more respectable recently. But when you've got that, coupled with the fact that this is a Texas Southern team that typically they hang their hat on defense, they're not doing so this season in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. They're clocking in more around about 95th in the country, giving up about eight points more per one hundred possessions when they leave home, going up against an Arkansas Pine Bluff team that they are 344th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. It does make it a very strange scenario here. I do think that with Arkansas Pine Bluff, they're going to be able to do an okay job on the glass. I do think that the backcourt play is going to be able to lead them to victory in this one against the Texas Southern team that, to their credit, they have now given up fewer than 70 points in each other pre previous three games, but prior to that, they had allowed 75 plus points in their previous two, and they had allowed at least 69 very nice points in four of their last five, and last time these two teams met, Pine Bluff won the game 70-67, to despite the fact that you had both teams go combined 11-49 of from three-part inch. I do think that both of these teams are going to be a bit warmer with their offense, so looking at the over, and Pine Bluff on the money line, and that'll wrap things up. For the Monday edition of Cubs Cubs Hoops, now part of the VEASAN family podcast, a big thanks to Eli Hershkovich, who does great work over at the Lions. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Cubs Cubs Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, do have one of two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find out whatever you'd like here on this podcast via that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season. That means I'm coming at you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can be all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you and you're able to learn more over at BetterHelp.com. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.